0: Are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Good Thursday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Wolves. My name is Alan Horton. Follow me on Twitter at Wolves Radio and at Locked On Wolves. At Wolves Radio and at Locked on Wolves. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for following. Thank you for participating. Thanks for spreading the word about Locked on Wolves. We continue to grow this thing bigger and better each and every week. Coming up on the podcast today, some news and notes from yesterday's Day 7 of Timberwolves training camp, plus our very first guest on the podcast. What are we, 10, 11 podcasts in? I have not um, had the opportunity to have a guest on, but so many big names are coming through the courts at Mayo Clinic Square following this team that uh, I'm going to sit down with Paul Flannery coming up, the NBA writer from SB Nation. You can follow him at Twitter, on Twitter at PFlans. Uh, we've also had a couple of ESPN guys in town, Brian Windhorst uh, last week, Kevin Arnovitz this week, uh, even Brian Scalabrini and uh, Frank Isola doing their serious XM NBA radio show here from uh, from the Twin Cities, so they're in town as well, and I think that gives you an idea of the interest nationally that the Timberwolves have, with, with the likes of Wiggins and Towns now mixing with head coach Tom Thibodeau. So, a lot coming up on the uh, podcast, let's get right to it, but first a reminder, if you're liking. Locked on Wolves, I appreciate that, and you're going to love Locked on Vikings. Check it out, what Sam Ekstrom and Sage Fells have been up to. They're talking NFL, they're talking Vikings, taking on the Texans. 4-0, one of three undefeated teams in the NBA. Check them out, do a search, Locked on Vikings with Sam and Sage. And again, the Texans coming to town on Sunday. Little bit of a conflict as they'll get underway at 12. The Lynx and Sparks, yes, we now know the, the Lynx opponent, For their WNBA Finals series, it is a five-game series against the L.A. Sparks. It sounds weird to say L.A. Sparks and Finals in the same sentence. That's because the Sparks haven't been to the Finals since 2003. And it's ironic, isn't it, that the league changed the playoff format, uh, completely altered it, completely blew it up, and... Who benefits? You get two Western Conference teams in and the LA Sparks are the team to get in. I think, you know, the league there's always been the myth out there that, especially in the W, that they they wanted to find a way. They love Candace Parker. Uh, we've documented that over the years, how she gets the nod in certain player of the week, player of the month, um, all the different things. And they would just love to have the LA Sparks in the finals. And finally, they realized that, you know what? I think the Sparks weren't going to get through the Phoenix Mercury, they weren't going to get through the Minnesota Lynx and years ago they couldn't get past the Seattle Storm. It was always somebody else that got by LA into the finals, but finally they get through thanks to this new playoff format. Um it would have been this matchup Lynx and Sparks, I I think, but it would have been Western Conference Finals. Instead, there are no more Western Conference Finals, just semifinals and finals. So we'll decide this thing on the floor, but beat LA uh, this is going to be fun. Target Center is going to be packed. Go to linksbasketball.com and get your playoff tickets. Sunday is game one at two o'clock at Target Center, and then game two will be Tuesday night at seven o'clock. I cannot wait for that series. The Lynx are just—they're just a joy to watch. Uh, you want to play—you want to play a defensive battle? They can beat you that way. You want to run it up and down the floor and try to outscore them? They can beat you that way. They can play physical. They can play finesse. They've just got so many different pieces, and I just think they're the deeper team. And uh, they have the home court advantage, which is big in this series. So a lot going on here in the Twin Cities with the Vikings and the Lynx. And, of course, the Timberwolves getting closer and closer to that first preseason game in Kansas City, coming up against the Miami Heat on Saturday. News and notes from yesterday. It was all about the point guards. After practice, uh, Tyus Jones came over, Chris Dunn came over, Ricky Rubio came over, and, of course, head coach Tom Thibodeau. All that sound is available for you. By, you can hear it the entire media sessions. Just go to soundcloud.com slash wolves radio. Tom Thibodeau was talking about uh, Tyus Jones getting some plenty of playing time in in camp so far, and he said that when Coach uh, Mike Shurszewski was in town last week during the opening week uh, for a day or two there, Coach K was already stumping for for Tyus to get some more playing time. He was pushing hard, and Tibbs was laughing about it, but uh, he he saw that Coach K was pushing for his guy, and it sounded like you know one of the interesting things to come out of 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 that practice uh, yesterday was when Ricky Rubio was asked, you know, have you played with Chris Dunn at all yet in camp? And he said, "No, that they they hadn't shared the backcourt together. Um it's been more of a kind of a starting five and then a, a second unit." Although Ricky did say that he's been on that um Dunn has played the the shooting guard spot with Tyus um, on that second unit. Now we assume it's with Tyus. That that part he didn't add, but he said that Dunn had been playing some of the shooting guard spot, but it was not with Ricky, so you can only assume that it's probably with Tyus, which I think is a good sign for Tyus that he's getting some he's getting some playing time on that second unit. Who knows? Can he find him a spot in the rotation? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Tibbs also talked about Chris Dunn, you know, a, a four-year player at Providence. He was there four years. He played basically three years. He did have one year of eligibility left. But Tibbs kind of compared, you know, Chris Dunn to some of the other guys that spent a long time in college. He was not the one-and-done guys. Um, and Tibbs wanted to, kind of took a shot at, at at a lot of the people that think, well, there's no upside in a guy who's been in college for three or four years. And he pointed out that Jimmy Butler spent four years at Marquette. And he pointed out that uh, Draymond Green was at Michigan State uh, for four years. And so he used those two guys as examples of guys that, d- that do have a high ceiling. And he thinks Chris Dunn can have himself a high ceiling. Tibbs also talked about Brandon Rush playing well. He says the... You know, really, the torn ACL—the second of his career, one on each knee—is really in the rearview mirror for Rush. Um, Tibbs talked about that being a sort of a two-year thing, where you, you you you're off for the year, and then the next year is kind of working your way back. Um, so it's really a two-year injury, and. Um, this is well past two years, as Rush proved last year when he played with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Tyus Jones said that he's feeling more and more comfortable out there. He said the difference between last year's camp and this year's camp uh, for him is just a night and day. He feels that much more comfortable. He knows kind of the routine. And even though it's under a different head coach, um, he kind of knows what to expect the ins and outs. Um, and, and I think all rookies go through that. Once you learn how to, um, learn all the nuances of of the NBA life. Uh, it becomes that much easier the second time as round. Um, Tyus also talked about learning a lot from John Lucas III, who's in camp as the fourth point guard, who played for Tibbs a couple of years um, with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, he's leaned on him an awful lot, kind of picking his brain whenever he's kind of confused about something. He'll turn toward Lucas and um, he will uh, he will help him out. Tyus also said they're antsy to get uh, to play a game. I mentioned this the other night and. You know, this is something that Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden kind of worked out. They wanted a full couple of weeks of camp before they had preseason games. Um, there are a number of teams that have already played two preseason games at this point, and by the time the Wolves suit up on uh, Saturday, um, some of those teams will have played three times already. But this was by design. Tom Thibodeau wanted to have this workout, and I, th- I I like the way he's kind of thinking. He liked to have the the first two weeks at Mayo Clinic Square, be able to have all those amenities right there, and then you go on the road for ten days. And it's really more of a team bonding. Uh, you're in some you're in some cities that aren't NBA cities, so everybody's kind of going through the same kind of thing. You're going to Louisville, you're going to Kansas City, you're going to Lincoln, Nebraska. Ricky Rubio, when he met with the media, he was asked about well, I told you about not playing with Dunn in the backcourt. I thought that was a little bit interesting, but you know, I, I I don't think we can read too much into that. The only major takeaway from that is. And I think it's a positive for Tyus Jones. I think that's the implication, is that Tyus is playing with Chris occasionally on that second unit. And I think that's uh, that's a great sign. Ricky just also reiterated wanting to uh, go against somebody else. These guys are, you know, you hear about it in the NFL, for training camps last too long, and then all of a sudden you just can't wait to hit somebody else um, in a different color jersey. But that seems to be a theme amongst uh, all the NBA players so far. So that'll do it for the news and notes. And how about our special guest, Yeah, the very first guest here on Locked on Wolves. Wasn't planned this way, but I'll take it. It's fantastic. Paul does a great job writing for SB Nation. You can follow him on Twitter, at PFlans. Paul Flannery, our first guest on the Locked On Wolves podcast. All right, joining me now is Paul Flannery. You can follow him at pflans on Twitter and a senior writer for SB Nation. Paul, good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. It's been a um, it, it's 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 been a whirlwind of NBA writers, national writers. You're in town. Kevin Arnovitz is here. Brian Windhorst was here a couple of days ago. Is there some intrigue? Do you think uh, around this Timberwolves team? Yeah, you think. I, I,
1: <laughs> I think I think a lot of us went through the same thing. Okay, we know the Warriors are going to take up all the oxygen. Mm-hmm. Well, who else is out there? And right now I'm looking at the landscape, and Minnesota is just standing out to me. I mean, not just Carl, not just Andrew, but now you have Tom Thibodeau in the equation, and that just makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, when he got hired right after the end of the regular season, what were your first impressions of that hire? Well, I covered uh, the
1: Celtics for years in Boston and when Tom was the, the defensive coach, and I've got all kinds of respect for him. And I think he is one of the best coaches in the league. And I think that makes a big difference. Some people are kind of agnostic about how much a coach actually matters. I think a coach matters a lot, mm-hmm. especially when you have a young team and you're trying to build the culture and you're trying to do all those kinds of things. Having a guy like Tom Thibodeau here, that makes a huge difference.
0: I think um, it's interesting that, that people in this town have gotten so behind it and they think the Wolves can make that jump from 29 wins to, to a playoff team. And while you, on one hand, you want to temper expectations um, about the team. His track record speaks for itself. His teams are so good defensively. And if you're that good defensively, you're, you're going to
1: have a great chance to make the postseason. Well, they're really starting from scratch in that sense. I mean, what were they, 27th last year in defensive efficiency? So they can only improve. And they have the guys who can, look, you look at Andrew Wiggins. He has all the tools of a lockdown wing guy. Ricky Rubio we know is a great defensive point guard. Carl should be, should be a defensive presence in the middle. They've got all these tools. And then you have the scheme and you have the coaching. They have to improve from there. My, my concern here, and I don't want to jump ahead too much, mm-hmm. but my concern in the playoff talk is, Okay, there's a lot of teams that have to jump. It's true. And, true. you know, a, a good team is going to get left out.
0: When you look at the West, obviously at the top you've got Golden State, you've got San Antonio, put the Clippers in there too. And then there's probably another maybe three or four teams in the group. A lot of people think Utah is going to make a jump. Uh, Portland's been very good. Um, but is there any reason to think the Wolves can't compete for one of those final couple spots in the West?
1: No, I think they will absolutely compete mm-hmm. for it. But, yeah, when you start you start a match, I think Utah is going to have a monster year. Yeah. I, You know, I think – I kind of like Houston, even though they're kind of a polar opposite mm-hmm. team. Their offense is going to be unbelievable. You know, Dallas, I've written Dallas off three or four years in a row, and they keep coming back. You can't kill those guys. You mentioned Portland. Denver might be better. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're very few weak teams anymore. Yeah.
0: and I think OKC, we OKC. mentioned them. I, even without Durant, I think they're somehow, they're going to be right in the mix. Of course they are. I mean, Russell's a top five player. They're going to be right yeah. there. We mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. Um, you know, when Tibbs had. Joakim Noah in uh, Chicago, Defensive Player of the Year. And, you know, I asked Tibbs that the other day. Does he have the potential to be a Defensive Player of the Year? And and he's not saying no to a lot of things right now. It's leaving everything open. But, you know, there's certainly that possibility. Do you think he's got that in him? I had a a chat with Tom yesterday, and I brought
1: up that same kind of point. And he he doesn't want to get into the comparison thing. And you can understand that, especially, you know, given his history with Kevin Garnett and Kevin's history in this town. It's a tough one, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's let the kid develop. Yeah. Yeah, look. Carl Towns, Carl Anthony Towns, can be one of the top five players in the league, and he can get there very quickly. I believe that. He's already taken a huge step
0: in his rookie year. I mean, by far the best in franchise history for a rookie year,
1: and you could argue one of the best in NBA history. Yeah, and when you watch the games, it's not just the talent, which is obvious, but it's the IQ, it's the way he moves. And, yeah, there's a lot of things to tighten up. We know this. But he's got everything you could ever possibly want, and you've been around him more than I have, He's a really nice kid. He's a good kid. Very grounded.
0: Don't you, you put a lot of stock in when you get the chance to talk to guys and how they handle themselves, how thoughtful they are in their answers? Um, how intelligent they are. Does that does that play a big role for you, do you think, when you when you evaluate a guy? Yes and no. I think you can get caught
1: up in that a little bit too much, especially if a guy is giving with their time. You tend to give them some more slack, and if a guy is a little more difficult. Look, I covered the Celtics with KG and Rondo and Paul Pierce. Those guys were as difficult as it gets. All of them really smart. All of them really intelligent. You know, they, not they would sit down with me for half an hour. That just wasn't going to happen. So you kind of, yes and no, that said, everything that I've talked to people about Carl and talking to Carl, you know, in the brief amount of time I've had with him, you know, all these things are are evident
0: with him. And it's interesting, too, because while he's got one... Personality. Andrew Wiggins is almost the exact opposite, much more reserved, he's very, more quiet. He says he wants to be more vocal, but I'm not sure what that means in, in terms of you know what his personality, but it's, it's interesting how guys go about it in different ways. Yeah, you can't be something you're not in this league. You have to be who you are, and I think a lot of
1: young guys struggle with that because they come in and they say, okay, I need to be the guy, and, and maybe they're not ready to be the guy. These, are, these kids are really young that are coming in. I think for Andrew... Having a guy like Carl around and Zach, and I mean Ricky's twenty six, not even twenty-six yet.
0: It's kind of nice to have your peer group. Yep, no question about it. Um, with, with Andrew Wiggins, he's already above average efficiency, true shooting percentage, because he gets to the free throw line so well. But you look at how he's shot outside the paint, and it's been non existent the first two years. I mean, he's been able to be an efficient player averaging twenty-one a game without an outside shot, whether it's the mid-range or three point line. He spent all summer working on that shot. If, if you just become league average from there, that's that's a huge jump
1: he could take. Absolutely, and that's, and that's where you get into this, you know, which way is he going to go? Okay, now, you know, you say, oh, he's so young. Well, this is going to be his third year in the league. Which way is he going to go? At worst, you know, I think he's going to be a really good player in this league. At best... Projections are sky high, so I think it's probably like these things usually tend to be somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, the outside shots got improved, and I have to see it before I'm willing to say, "Okay, you've got it."
0: Yeah. We could go up and down the roster, but is there a guy or a position or an area of uh, the Timberwolves where you're particularly intrigued that, that maybe? If it goes one way, it could be a really good season. If it doesn't, then, then there are some issues?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know the you know the issues better than the I do. The, the shooting needs to improve, of course. But I'm really interested in the point guard spot because uh, Chris Dunn's from Providence. I'm in Boston. He's in my backyard. I watch him a lot. I really like him a lot. I like Ricky a lot, too. And I'll, I'll be very interested to see how that dynamic plays out. If there's room for both of them in the backcourt, there might be. I don't know. But I like Chris Dunn a lot, and this is a nice chance for him to kind of like ease his way in. And if, if you get to know Chris a little bit, you know that's not his mo like he wants to he wants it now and he's very driven so i'm very curious about that position
0: i kind of like his i like his attitude i like the way he plays he's got a physicalness to him a football background his dad still thinks he could have played uh in the nfl and i don't doubt it um and I think they're going to have to play, if, because I, I just think he's going to end up playing 20-plus minutes, and I think Ricky is at his best when he's playing close to 35 minutes. I think he'll play a lot of minutes. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see whether those guys can. I think defensively, don't you think defensively, that backcourt with both the 6'4 and both long can can be disruptive, and if you're good enough defensively, maybe you get by with the non-shooting at the other end. That's how I always look at the versatility thing. Who are you guarding, right? And if you can't guard people, then
1: I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about the offense. So yeah, I think I think that's that's the first step. And you're right; they have the attributes to do that, and then you can figure out the offense from there.
0: Yeah, Zach Levine, if he figures out things defensively, a chance for um, to really thrive under tips. You think he completely shocked me last year. I had
1: no idea what you know. I, Kind of a blank slate player for me and, and I was okay, all right. So so now and here's where I want to be careful on the expectations for this team. Yes. Mm-hmm. But let's see it.
0: Right. Let's let's see it happen. Yeah. It's yeah. gonna be interesting to see. Paul, I appreciate the time. Uh best of luck to you. Hope we cross paths again through the NBA season. I hope so. Well if you guys keep winning there, you know, yeah, it'll if, take if, if you expectations. <laughs> I'm just s i am will certainly be back. That's right. Follow Paul on uh, Twitter at PFLANs and read him at SB Nation. My thanks to Paul for joining me on the podcast today, providing some good insight, I think, from a national perspective on what maybe to expect and what the forecast may hold for this Timberwolves team. And we may do some more of that. Um, I mentioned a lot of writers coming through. We'll try to maybe catch up with some of them and get their thoughts on where this Timberwolves team is headed. That'll do it for this edition of Locked on Wolves. The Timberwolves will have a practice coming up uh, about an hour from now, and then they will have a practice tomorrow before they fly out in the afternoon to Kansas City to get set for the Miami Heat. Coming up Saturday in Kansas City. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for following. Hit me up on Twitter at Wolves Radio and at Locked On Wolves. This has been another edition of Locked On Wolves, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb
1: sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best selling LED light bulbs. Our four pack of LED bulbs is $9.99.